This is the Freestyle Way. And welcome back, my friends, to the Freestyle Way podcast. This is Carl Powley, your host. And I just got back from an amazing trip to Australia where I spent 12 days, I believe, in Sydney where I taught the second ever Freestyle Insider, which had a gathering of lifestyle entrepreneurs there in attendance. And it turned out 10 times better than I would have ever uh, imagined. It's hard to explain in words, but we really got into some deep conversations about who people really are on this planet and how they are expressing themselves through their craft and their work. And uh, by the end of the weekend, there were tears. I mean, people really got hit right in the heart and the gut. And I think they also left inspired and with tools to deploy now into their business in a way where they can continue pushing forward with their mission statement and with the philosophy that they have been able to identify over the years of running their practices and now with a new and deeper understanding of how they can participate within their business more and include more people in their process. So it was amazing. In addition to that, I did the last ever freestyle movement seminar, a seminar that I've been doing for 10 years. I've done approximately 650 of them and I've had estimated approximately 30,000 people in attendance. And uh, that came to a close last Saturday in Sydney, which was an emotional one because this seminar is what was the catalyst for what became my book Freestyle and has also set me on the path that I am today working on Freestyle as a media company and a digital learning platform where we go beyond just physical training, but we're also in the mental game, the emotional game, the brand development and business development game. And it's just exciting to see it all come together. And just because it's the last one in this form, it doesn't mean it's not going to exist. It still exists. It's going to exist in book form, and we're most likely going to bring it to you via Freestyle Connection, and we're going to make the seminar a digital experience where now we can engage with more of you guys in a different way so you don't have to wait for us to come to you. You can actually just from the comfort of your own home, get to experience the course, go through it, and actually apply it. In addition to that, I did a muscle-up masterclass on the last day, and what was so cool about the muscle-up masterclass is that I had people in attendance who had really nothing to do with the world of CrossFit or fitness when it comes to calisthenics or gymnastics, and one of the attendees mentioned to me at the end that It was a seminar that although we discussed the topic of performing a muscle-up, which is one getting from under the rings to over the rings or from under a bar to over a bar, there was so much more to it. It was almost like a show. And one of my intentions with these seminars is to create experiences that feel 
like a show. They feel like you're going to watch Hamilton on Broadway. And that's always been the case for me. And trying to create a show that is interactive, that allows those who are witnessing the show to actually become members of the cast, to actually participate. So that was a great little finisher for the trip. And now I'm back here. I'm recording this intro where I'm about to introduce my guest for the week, who is Diane San Filippo, who some of you guys may know as a certified nutritionist, um, consultant, who also specializes in sugar regulation and digestive health, and who has taught nutrition seminars worldwide. But she's also a two-time New York Times bestseller. She doesn't have one book. She doesn't have two books. She has five books. She has the 21 Day Sugar Detox. She has her very famous Practical Paleo, which is the book that changed the way that we eat at home. She has another one called the 21 Day Sugar Detox, but this is the daily guide. So really giving you details on how to adhere to the process. And then she has the 21 Day Sugar Detox Cookbook, where you can find a bunch of recipes. And now you have her new and latest book, Keto Quick Start, which came out this year, and it is hitting the scene hard. In addition to being an author, she is also a serial entrepreneur. She has several businesses that she runs, and you can find her businesses and the work that she's doing on Instagram. If you just go to Diane Sanfilippo, Sanfilippo spelled S-A-N-F-I-L-I-P-P-O, you can find her there. And then if you follow Balanced Bites, uh, you can also learn everything that she's doing. She has um, meals and she has spices, which by the way, we use the spices at home every day here. I like to uh, use the everything but the bagel spice uh, on my hard-boiled eggs. It tastes delicious and it's awesome. And in this conversation that I had with Diane, we talked a little bit about everything. It's a very casual conversation that goes back and forth but ultimately dives into what are the feelings, emotions, and experiences behind being a serial entrepreneur like Diane and how she manages everything and what her approach to life really is. And uh, halfway through the podcast, we have a little break because one of the dogs that was there, I believe, I actually believe my dog was there as well, but maybe I'm just imagining that because Diane, besides being a nutritionist, has also been our dog sitter. <laughs> she has been amazing. Uh, her and her husband, Scott, who happens to be my chiropractor, who you can also find at Full Body Fix uh, on Instagram. I would highly recommend you do that. And if you're in San Francisco, go see him because he's amazing. Yeah, so we had a little break in the middle of uh, the podcast because one of the puppies was sick and had to go on a little potty break. So uh, forgive us there in the middle for the little interruption. And other than that, I will check in with you guys on the back end of this episode. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend Diane Sanfilippo on the Freestyle Way podcast. I'm going to start recording just now, just so we, we, we're rolling. So what is it, paleo or keto? <laughs> <It's> nothing. <laughs> um, you just finished the tour. 
I did. Book yep. tour. Yeah. This is your fourth book. This feels so professional. Um, it is really professional. It's my seventh time publishing. It's my uniquely my fifth title. Fifth so title. fifth title. One of those was republished, you know, second edition, and then there's a co-authored book in there too. So. Mm-hmm. And how many of them are New York Times bestsellers? Two. What does that mean? I'm. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. It means paleo was super popular for a couple of years when Practical Paleo came out and the book came out. The timing was right. It was a book that really solved a lot of problems for people and it became kind of the one that everybody tells somebody about, you know. So what does it mean for me? I mean, not in terms of like anything I did. It's just the right timing. You know, I could never replicate that. I'm mimicking your posture there. Yeah, the how are, we, are we sitting? Are we sitting upright? What do we? What do we do? We need to be <laughs> so, relaxed. So it's cool. It's. Re- I mean, it's amazing to have that kind of you know under your belt. I mean, you have that right. Yeah, Isn't that what happened. So um, practical paleo was on the list for almost two years. It was crazy. That is crazy. And, and then honestly, it's mostly just hard to live up to. That's kind of the thing. It's like. It would be amazing to do that again, but <sighs> things have really changed with the way the list works now. Mm-hmm. So I know a good amount about that stuff, enough to tell friends to not focus on it because it's kind of pointless. Yeah, it's. So. I, I think that's that's a that's a, a truth. In fact, I, I asked you when I saw you, you. You were attending my seminar in New mm-hmm. Jersey when mm-hmm. I when I taught that time at Brazen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked you, you, I think you had started either your, your, I think your second book. I don't know. When was it that you were there? I I can't remember. Time is irrelevant. (laughs) It was 20 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. That was 20 years ago. But I asked you, I said, so does the second one get easier? And you're like, no, it sucks. There's just more pressure to produce something that will live up to whatever it was, which now I don't feel that pressure because I know it's not possible (laughs) to live up to that. I mean, it's just not. And I think, I think it's really important for people to not assume that everything they do will be better than the last thing by some measure that they decided was making it the best, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. It actually, I was, I was just thinking about, I'm spacing on her name. Maybe, you know, uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert. Is that? that? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Fact check. Where's our, where's our, we're so professional, but we don't, we don't have a fact check. While you talk, I'll Google it. Well, she said (laughs) that after putting that book out, which was such a big success, writing another book after that was uh, terrifying. Why would she even try? Um, I believe this was Elizabeth Gilbert. And also, I've seen her speak. Yeah, she. I think she has a really yeah. uh, big TED Talk. She spoke also at Oprah's Life You Want weekend. This is where I have my photo with Oprah from. I know. Where, where, is, <laughs> my, your fo- where is your my, photo with my Oprah? My prized family photo. It's on the mantle. Where do you think it is? It's right <laughs> behind you over there. Scott didn't yeah. even make it on He's the mantle. He's in there. Uh, He's in it. Is he in it with so you? The, the way that it worked with the photo with Oprah was like, 
each person could take a photo with Oprah. So for his photo, I was like, we're doing this one together, honey. <laughs> so he doesn't have a solo photo with Oprah. So it's it's myself and Oprah in the middle and Scott on the other side. That's yeah. funny. It's like, that's I'm going to be in both of those. I think actually that's the first thing I noticed when I went, when we went over to have dinner at your place a few years ago. <laughs> You're like, wow, she's more famous than I thought. I was I'm like, like, no, wait no. Wait a second. This <laughs> no. woman. No. Is with Oprah. Now, it was a VIP ticket that I bought in one of those moments where you're like, yeah, I'm going to get the VIP ticket, you know? So anyway, but Elizabeth Gilbert spoke there. And yeah, really. That's cool. Uh, terrifying? I, I think, no, not for me. Because it was a nutrition book. It wasn't like life. I don't know. I feel like her book was just like cracked open her life, you mm-hmm. know? And mine wasn't really that kind of personal journey in a book. Well, you for me, I mean? for me... When when I got signed to Victory mm-hmm. Belt, our publishing house, mm-hmm. uh, I remember they kept on saying, Diane this, Diane that. I was like, <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. And I was like, who the really? hell is Diane? That's so wild. Yeah. What did they say? <laughs> well, they were just they were just saying, Diane does this. Uh, uh, Diane did this. Diane's going to do this. Uh, so everything was <laughs> Diane, Diane, Diane. And I was like, who the hell is Diane. And then they finally told me, and I was like, "Oh, I met her. I know her at, at San Francisco CrossFit a long time ago, which is so funny." So you were kind yeah. of like the, you know, a prodigy child of Victory Belt. Um, I mean, I'm aware of that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm kind of somewhere in the in the pile. Are you really? Yeah. <clears throat> but I your mean. your books, Practical Paleo, continues to sell. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, so there's three sugar detox books. Okay, two of them released within a few months of each other, uh, October 2013, and then December 2013, and then and I was kind of like writing them at the same time, sort of. That was crazy. And the main, uh, the first 21 day sugar detox book that made the New York Times list. There was a monthly list at the time, so you know. It was, I'm rolling my eyes as I say it, but like it was easier to make this monthly list because it was kind of just cookbooks. Right. And cookbooks sell a ton in general. So putting them up against anything else, it's kind of crazy. But um, anyway, so those are released. And then it took me several years before I released another one of that series. And that was the one that came out a little more than a year ago, the 21 Day Sugar Detox Daily Guide. So um, anyway, it's just, you know, it's like these these ideas come up to write a book and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll ask them if they want to, you know, publish this, which they always want to publish, whatever it's going to be. But then the idea sounds really good, and it sounds like it'll be fun. It'll be fun, they it'll say. Be fun. <laughs> oh, and Scott. then I'm like, why am I doing this again? It's just, it's, I, I can't hate the process more and also kind of love it. You know, like I love that it's so challenging and it's so rewarding to actually see your work in print and then it gets out there and it helps more people than I can reach. I'm not amazing at consistently blogging. You know, I've had a podcast for almost eight years now. Um, it's really hard to reach people. I'm not great at trying to write blog posts and then write this search engine optimization and expect people to just kind of stumble across it that way. I feel like I like the idea that somebody's looking to improve their health and they're looking for a book and then they can find my book and it's in a bookstore and they feel like it's real and it's not, you know, this series of blog posts that they're not sure they can trust. Like it's, it is something that I've actually taken a lot of time and effort and put a lot of context around and it's, it's thoughtful. It's not this one-off, 
piece of advice. And that's kind of what happened with the keto book. It was like, I've been eating keto on and off for more than a decade. So the question of like, is it paleo or keto? It's like, well, when I first started, it was, it was paleo keto. I just wasn't talking about it that way. And I think I was only paleo exclusively for probably less than a year before I was eating keto at the same time back in 2010. And um, anyway, so I didn't want to give people five or 10 blog posts about keto. I didn't want to do a few YouTube videos. I did a couple. They were some of my most popular YouTube videos. And immediately I was like, all right, I'm going to stop talking about this because then people ask a one-off question. And I'm like, well, I can't support you through eating keto by giving you a three-minute video because what you need is a lot more information so that we're first on the same page. And now ask me a question because now that you know this hundred pages of stuff, you know, and how it works and what to expect, now what are your questions? Because otherwise I'm like, I I don't like to answer those questions. I mean, I know you kind of have that same viewpoint where it's like, what can I do about my muscle up? And it's like, well, why don't we talk about right. overall <laughs> moving properly like a human, you know, where I'm mm-hmm. like, let me just explain how this stuff works. Before you ask me, how does it work? Let me just explain it. I don't know. So, well, you did an amazing job. Me. Yeah. You made, you changed Tanya's life. Um, my wife, Tanya, she read your with book. Practical paleo. Yeah. With practical paleo. Uh, and you don't mention keto, but you do mm-hmm. mention, okay, whole foods are important. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how you should well, think about it. When I wrote it. all the recipes in practical paleo, when I was done, I went back and looked at them and I was like, there's not really a lot of carbs in here. So I went back and added three or five recipes that had more carbs. Mm. So that's not something you would know just by looking at the recipes, how they were in the first edition. But And there were a lot more carbs in the second edition. But in the first edition, when I finished, I was like, uh-oh, this is all super low carb because that's what I was eating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and I, th- I think I recall you, you um, this was probably like three years ago, or so you you went back to visit your family and your parents and and your dad was like this is how we used to eat and <laughs> I, I can't remember where military or something was uh, uh, no he uh, wasn't uh, in the military in college he I forget we used to call it the no bread I'm no put the beer. mic a little closer oh, to I'll you I'll just lean in okay yeah. um, no I forget bread. what he called it I have an audio recording of him somewhere I should probably get you a clip yeah that'd be awesome but he. We talked about it many years ago and then again recently because I was like, hold on, Dad, I'm going to record this. Um, but yeah, he was like, oh yeah, my buddies, we used to do that. If we were just feeling like we're all gaining weight or whatever, they would just not be eating bread and not be drinking beer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this stuff isn't that revolutionary. But yeah. we don't really need to talk about food. Yeah, we don't. We don't. And I, and I don't want to talk <laughs> about food. What I want to talk about is... Uh, stuff that's exciting. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything that's exciting for you right now? Um, so I launched a meal business online. Awesome. Which the crazy thing about that is it's totally full circle back in late 2007, early 2008. And for anybody who doesn't live in San Francisco, it's miraculous to remember when anything happens when you live here. <laughs> yeah, I because the weather is always the same. You're not like, oh, we were bundled up. We were, you know, it was snowing. Or you're not like, oh, it was like 95 degrees. And right. with the weather not changing, unless you were celebrating someone's birthday or it was like a specific thing you remember. So I specifically remember I was working at Lululemon. This is late 2007. I worked at Lululemon. It was the first Lululemon store in the States, which is on Union Street in San Francisco. So just over 10 years ago, I was working at Lululemon. Okay. That's so what like, you were, 
I didn't know part time. This was okay. between jobs. I I quit a graphic design job that I had that I had worked at for many years, small uh, small business ad agency that was based in New Jersey, and I worked for them for two years here. These are every job I've ever had has been in parallel with something else. I never just do one thing, you know. So um, I was doing that. I had a jewelry business, like all these things. So quit the jewelry business, <laughs> however long before quit the graphic design job. Um, because I was super passionate about this meal thing that I wanted to do. So while I was working at Lululemon, I was trying to write a business plan, which now that I'm almost 41, I know I don't write business plans. <laughs> you don't write such, business plan. Do we curse on this show? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. such bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, write a business plan. Good luck with that. I mean, if you're trying to get investors and you know, all, you have to do that, sure. but I was not. So um, while I was working at Lululemon, the days I wasn't working, I was at the Starbucks just trying to work on the plan. Are you finding the packaging? You know, what was I going to do? How was I going to source the meat and the produce and all of that? <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, this was, I remember it was late 2007 because I wasn't quite 30 yet. And I also remember I was hired a little bit before the holiday season because other people came on and they were just hired for a few months. It's like the only way I can remember when this happened. But anyway, so... Uh, actually started the business early 2008, quit Lululemon, started making meals for people. I was cooking in a kitchen in Emeryville, which is right across the bridge from San Francisco. Uh, food safety certified, like did the whole thing, rented kitchen space. Like I, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, I don't operate that way. I'm like, <laughs> who did I think I was now? I look back, who did I think I was? I don't know. I was like, I'm did just going to do this. Did you have a coat on? Um, I had an apron. There's a picture of it. There's like one picture of me in the kitchen. Was it? Did you have something embroidered like Diane San Filippo? I did eventually Chef. have one printed Balance Bites. It was a white apron. It said Balance Bites in green. I think I got it made on Cafe Press. But nice. in this picture, I'm wearing a green Williams Sonoma uh, apron. I modeled for Cafe Press. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Random. So I was cooking meals for people, delivering them around San Francisco. I had a lot of personal trainer friends. And there was a gym downtown that I would deliver to a cooler that I found on Craigslist that I cleaned up, got new shelves for it, made the whole thing white, or had Balance Bites on it. So if you go to balancebites.com now slash meals or balancebites.com, ooh, see, I can't, I'm talking with my hands, I'm Italian. Talk talk, talk away, talk away. Okay, so balancebites.com, you can see these pictures and it's, it's crazy to me that I did not imagine any of this happening now. But this is, I mean, if you're building something and you're like, this this is going to flop and you close it up. I mean, I closed it within about six months. I stopped doing it because mm-hmm. I was burning out. I was cooking two days a week, maybe six or so hours at a clip and just exhausted at the end of it because I kind of didn't know what I was doing. You know, so the anxiety level while I'm cooking this grass-fed steak, and what if I mess you? it up? It was me and then eventually I had an assistant in the kitchen okay. who was like, Later went on to become a culinary student and go work in restaurants. Like her first job was with me messing around in the kitchen making salads. I don't even know. She was just like, That's amazing. Don't know what I'm doing. I was like, I need help. Um, So it's cooking. And it was totally scary because if I ruined the steak, that was it. Like that was all I had. And I'm just like, God, I hope I don't overcook this whatever. But, you know, at the time, my dad was like, You should write down your recipes. Maybe one day you'll write a cookbook. Hmm. Well, like four four hours, four years later, I did write a cookbook. And, um, you know, years after that, I actually took some of the spice blends that I would make for the meals in the book. I took some of the recipes that were in my meal business. Those are in Practical Paleo um, spice blends and launched the spice line in late 2016. And then recently oh, in the wow, last. Oh, wow. That was in- <clears throat> Yeah. It was time already, flies. I know. Wow. So, and then um, just recently, 
was telling uh, one of my friends like, oh, you know, one day it would be really cool to kind of revisit the meal idea. Well, within a few months of just kind of saying that out loud, this opportunity presented itself for me to actually take my recipes and convert them into something that could be made in a, you know, larger scale and frozen, vacuum sealed, and they're shipped all over the place. So people can buy these meals now. And it's just, I mean, honestly, it's mind blowing. I mean, I think we got a box yesterday and I just ate it did I have that for lunch today? Yeah, I think I had a, I had spaghetti squash bolognese bake for lunch today. And I'm like, this is so crazy. That's amazing. It's really crazy. It's amazing. It's really fun. Um, and, you know, when I burned out cooking the meals myself, I had also hit a point where, um, you know, I didn't want to do it for people anymore. I wanted to teach Amanda fish, you know. I was like, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not doing the right thing if I just do it for people all the time and never really teach anyone anything about how to take care of themselves. Well... 10 years and seven publications later, I feel like I've done that. I feel like I've given people resources, whether they're free or, you know, 20 to 30 bucks you can spend and get the book. And countless people have done that and said, you know, I got your book, changed my life. I lost a hundred pounds. I'm, you know, no longer diabetic, like, I'm, you know, type two diabetes, like all these things that people can do to change their own lives with those resources that are basically free or nearly free. Right. And they do it for themselves. And then having this opportunity to be like, Hey, I can cook for you, basically. Um, and it's just, it's really fun. It's challenging to figure out, you know, building a customer base for this thing that I just did not, it just fabricated out of nothing recently. Um, so that's really challenging and just super building that from scratch. And it's not an overnight success, you know, like it's doing great. People are buying it. Lots of people are buying it, but as many as I need to be buying it, not yet, not yet. you know, but, um, but that's okay. It's, you know, it's growing and it is really exciting to kind of pour yourself into something that isn't, you're not just good at it day one. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that kind of thing. It's like, what if I fail? I'm like, well, you just, you just keep working at it to make it better. And, Ultimately, if you can't afford to keep just trying, then you do stop and divert your attention and go a different direction. And I'm at this place where, you know, if I didn't have as many customers as I needed and I could put a little bit more investment of money into it, then I can do that. And if that weren't the case and I had to say, okay, I tried and I didn't make it happen as fast as I needed to, then I would just say, okay, then maybe now wasn't the time, you know? It would right. be what it would be. You know what's interesting? Uh, I was just thinking as you were telling me this, uh, two things. I, I was thinking about the post you made the other day where I think you were signing a book and you had a bunch of your books piled up and you had told yourself this story before that. Yeah, yeah, read it, read what it, read it. What was it? it? Uh, you said something like... Um, on the gram. Yeah, on the gram. You said uh, that uh, you were telling yourself a story that you weren't a writer mm-hmm. and, and now five publications later... Um, you're killing it. What what, what did mm. it say? What's the first um, first line? By now, I guess I need to stop stay, saying I'm not a writer or I'm not good at writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't consider myself a writer. I really don't. Um, yeah, what are you? Well, if I know, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you know, your your Lyft driver asks you, "What do you do?" I'm like, God, stop asking yeah, that. I don't that know. Stupid question. I hate that question. I'm like, I don't know what I do. Um, I usually just kind of lean on the whole, like I write nutrition oriented cookbooks cause it's kind of easy for people to understand. Um, I don't know, you know, 
I, I think I don't like to say I'm a writer or I'm good at writing because I find it really challenging. And I think the things that I identify as being like, I am this, um, I, or I'm good at something. I feel like it's things that would come more naturally and things that I feel comfortable doing. I don't self-identify as a writer because I hate doing it. It's uncomfortable. I would not really volunteer to be doing it. I wouldn't do it for free. I would definitely not do it for free. So whenever anyone's like, should I write a book? I'm like, no. Because most books don't sell a ton. Most books don't really earn authors a lot of money. A small handful do, 1%. You know, that's my rough estimate. But a lot of folks writing popular cookbooks these days, like they are really making money doing that. But um, aside from the books that are on the New York Times list and all of that, not really, you know, so it's a really hard thing to do. And I don't do it for the money, but I wouldn't do it for free, if that makes sense. That makes sense to me. You know, um, anyway, so I feel like, especially knowing more about my personality type. So I don't know if your listeners are familiar with things like the Enneagram. Hit us with the whole thing. <laughs> like the Enneagram. Come on. Which is really I think the Enneagram has been the one that has cracked me open the most. So uh, it's just like a nine-type personality system. It's very old, well-known. Um, there tend to be some like religious influences or people in religious circles who will talk more about it, like Christian circles, but I don't believe that that's really where it's rooted or based. Okay. Um, so I think that people can approach it from a lot of different ways. But... The type eight, which is the type that I am, is known often as the challenger. I think, did we decide we're both a type eight? I think we're, we're eights. I, I feel almost embarrassed because mm-hmm. every time we talk, you mention We're like this, the same person. Oh, you are, haven't looked at it? I, I haven't. You're pain in the ass. I know. I'm so sorry. I, I feel like that's what I have to do tonight. Um, so one of the core things about a type eight well, two of the core things about type eights are one, they're a challenger. They're co- always going to challenge people, challenge ideas, challenge the status quo, like kind of restless. Things are never okay as they are. I mean, we already know that we're the same because our spouses are also the same. They're both type ones, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Yeah, we live um, parallel lives. It's really creepy. We also have very nervous doggies. Like, yeah, and we're, we're here. We're here taking here. turns petting your dog right now. As she as she's sick. She's looking for either a way out or she's looking for your dog. I don't know what she's looking for. So anyway, type eight um, and type eight females are typically uh, just like not well received by most people in general, unless it's a strong group or a strong person. I actually have my first memory of you right now just popping into my head. <laughs> this is like <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> a lot of people's first memory of me was really intense. And I'm like, I'm just being myself. I just I don't put on airs. I don't like I don't act a certain way so that people will like me because I'm like I don't have time for more friends than I have. So it's like your wife basically cracked in I mean she tried so many times to get our dogs together and I was like I don't know I don't know but it takes that kind of person who's tenacious and being like we're gonna be friends okay and I'm like fine we're gonna be friends and now we're totally (laughs) friends and have the best time and our dogs have the best time and it's it's awesome but that's like how a lot of my friendships are where it's like I resist it because I'm just like "Ah, I don't have time for this um but anyway that is so, funny. So the yeah, challenger Tanya is persistent. <clears throat> yeah. When she sees something that she feels like this could help someone mm-hmm. or it could be good or it could be positive, mm-hmm. she will pursue it 
until it's done. <laughs> I don't know if that's a type one thing or what. That's I'm, that's kind of how she is, though. I'm she, nervous with the dog on the white carpet. Just I know she's, she's about. Is she sick. about to throw up? I have no idea. But she's a little sick. She's been out there eating stuff that maybe she's she shouldn't sweetest. be eating. Okay, so um, so when you ask about like what I do, part of this comes from this whole Enneagram Type Eight thing, where I I really feel like part of what I'm here to do. In general, with whatever my work is, whether it's writing books or, you know, speaking and doing book signings and or posting on Instagram, posting things that get people to stop and think about their behavior and how it's affecting people around them. Um, it's this idea of being a challenger. Like it's really it's not every day, but it's pretty often that somebody says, you know, your posts used to really put me off or I used to feel like take it personally or I used to just be like, what is she talking about or and for me to get someone to stop and think about what they're doing or how they're behaving or what they're saying and then to change what they're doing as a result, when I get those messages from people and I get them almost every day, they're like, you know, I've just been following for a long time and I wanted to tell you that, you know, because you did this and made me stop and think about this and I've stopped commenting on people's stuff or I stopped saying negative things or <clears throat> whatever it is. So for me, I think... Like being the challenger, being the person who's going to stand up for other people, especially as a female, um, and saying the things that people don't want to say, speaking truth to power, all that stuff. Like it's people get really nervous or anxious when they're like, I, I wish you didn't have to explain yourself. I'm like, I need you to calm down about that because I don't feel the way about it that you do. I don't feel like I'm explaining myself or I'm defending myself. I'm literally just going to tell you how how it is. Like. I'm just telling everyone this is the situation. I don't feel overly emotionally beat up about it. I'm literally just like, just want you guys to see what happened with this exchange. This person got really upset. It had nothing to do with me, but I'm shining a light on them for saying a rude thing. And like people Yeah, people may see it, it as shaming, like you're publicly shaming. They but in see reality, it as that. Yeah, some people do. Or they see it as me having to, quote, explain myself. I'm like, it's not that. I'm using this as a teaching moment. I don't feel the need to defend the fact that I'm going to comment back to a commenter. I'm like, that person came to my house and asked for my attention. If you want my attention, I will give you my attention, but it's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. It's going to be what it's going to be. This is this is my actual response to you. And 99% of the time I crack open that comment and I find what was really there, but the person is backpedaling, they're apologizing or they're overly defensive. I don't, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it other than I see through the comments so quickly and that person's like just wanting to argue with me about it. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm unfollowing you. Okay. And then three months later, they come back, well, I unfollowed because I realized I was having a bad day. And, you know, that day you said this thing and it really kind of triggered me and on and on. And I was like, I know, I know that that happened. So when you ask, like, what am I? I don't really know, but I do feel like I want to be a catalyst for change in people's lives. And it's happening through food initially. And I think that food is a really important thing to change because it's so difficult to get people to change what they're eating. Um, people are very emotionally attached to their food. They don't want to be told that what they're doing with their food is wrong or that their health being in a negative place could potentially be their fault. But I think that getting people to take massive accountability for the situation that they're in in their lives is really important, even if it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, 
I know and I have people very close to me who have been through some really bad shit and I don't have any view of that like that was your fault and like literally zero don't blame anybody for that and at the same time simultaneously when you're in your 30s and your 40s like these ages that we're in like you have to own your shit and take responsibility for it and not lash out at the people around you because of this shit so for me like what what do I do I don't I don't know like the way that it's manifesting has been through nutrition and food to kind of be that catalyst but in the long term eventually something that's just more getting people to shine a light on why they're behaving outwardly in a certain way Mm -hmm. to express you know the anger the fear the resentment the sadness the whatever it is that really is whatever's broken um so I don't know. That was a lot. No, that, that is a <laughs> but, lot. But I think I think you're you're definitely a teacher. You're someone who cares about um, you know people like talk about mindset, but mm-hmm. behaviorism is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're definitely instilling a culture of expressing yourself in an effective way. Um, you, <laughs> we have Harper who wants to join us right now. Hi, Harper. Um, so cute. Yeah, I I think you're you're definitely a teacher, and you use your uh, serial. Let's see if I can say this word. Serial entrepreneurship as an excuse mm. to be able to have mm. these conversations, and I feel like you've done such a good job. You're vicious. This is. I think I need to take her somewhere. Yeah. Is this? Do we need to take a break? Either she's we're, faking us out, or I like she's never this aggressive about getting our attention. I think. We're, we're, yeah, we're gonna take her out. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. Okay. All right. We'll be back. Oh. I've never oh, seen her. Oh yeah, she does literally? smell. She does smell a little bit. Okay. 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 I've never seen her do that. All right, we're back from our commercial break. Okay. I, I. That means that now the podcast needs a sponsor. Oh. Yeah, oh. we, we have a call coming in. Uh, okay. Is it a sponsor? It's the, it's, a, <laughs> it's my first sponsor. Okay. Um, we were saying that you or I. I was saying mm. that I believe that you are using all the business that you're creating as mm-hmm. an excuse to be able to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's a great excuse to have it. Because if you think about it, uh, if, if I were to just go through your, your mm-hmm. posts, I'll see some stuff about food, I'll see some stuff about beauty counter, mm-hmm. but the, the, where the, the engagement is mm-hmm. happening is in the conversation that you're having around mm-hmm. uh, behavior and how to get your needs met, how to mm-hmm. communicate, uh, where are the healthy boundaries. And I, and I find it fascinating that you've done it on social media in a way that I think few people even know how to do it uh, anywhere. Well, thanks. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, unless you're a psychologist or, you know, someone who is a behavior therapist or something mm-hmm. like that, I think just identifying patterns that you see in everyday life, in people who seem to be unhappy or discontented, um, or yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, if someone's unhappy with where they're at, identifying a process to help them get out of that mm-hmm. seems to be a worthy cause, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I think I don't know. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do, and I think that's partially also just an inherent drive that 
I want to help people find solutions for whatever it is that they feel is the problem. Um, I don't, I don't kind of wake up feeling um, powerless in my own life. I feel very much like I wake up and I'm like, what do I want to do today? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's always things I quote have to do, but I've designed that in such a way that there are things that I've chosen and lined up and created. And um, so, yeah, it's businesses. And I think that business is really interesting and it's a really fun way to problem solve. Um, obviously, can pay the bills, you know, when you're selling something that's a solution for people. And I think also, um, so what I studied in college, my major was called consumer studies, which seems nebulous. And like, what does that even mean? It's basically marketing from the perspective of the consumer and consumer protection, but I minored in marketing and in management. And so, and I just remember taking marketing classes, feeling like it was just common sense. I was like, this is a class. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was almost like, I get paid for this, you know, not paid, but you know, I get get credit for this. I guess we're showing up and the four P's of marketing. I'm like, all of that's very obvious to me that all of these things matter to your product and actually having it sell. Um, So I think that part of this, I know uh, guys like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this a lot, like playing to your strengths. I feel like that's kind of always been where I sit. You know, it's like, I'm good at this thing, which means I enjoy it. We all enjoy being good at something, right? Um, And so I've kind of just always leaned in that direction. And so I think, as you were saying, kind of having business as a way to talk about these things, that's that's something that's happened in the last, I would say, like five years of just kind of reflecting and also identifying the fact that people look at me and they're like, I want to be like that. Like, it's not necessarily just a success thing or whatever. It's it's more of an attitude energy thing. And I think part of it, again, is inherent. Like, I can't help someone who has a different personality have my personality. This isn't how we're wired, you know? But I think that we each have qualities that we see in other people that we admire. And I think that in, inherently or innately, as an eight female, it's it's a very masculine energy, that a lot of women are like, I wish I were more bold like that or unapologetic or unafraid. Mm. And um, I don't know what people are so afraid of, other people's opinions. I don't really value that many people's opinions. And I think a lot of people have, they're putting stock in things that don't, I, I just don't, it doesn't compute for me. Yeah, I think a lot so. of people are climbing some sort of ladder. Uh, but you're kind of climbing your own ladder. So w- when you're climbing a ladder that's uh, built by someone else or you mm-hmm. think is built by mm-hmm. someone else, I think people get scared mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, man, is someone going to knock this ladder off or do I have more people on the ladder? Who am I competing against? Uh, yeah, so they start, I start, I think, I think, because I'm kind of like you, I, I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, I can understand how people aspire to not care. And I'm just like, so stop caring. But I think the problem comes in when um, they care because they're on a gravy train. Yeah. They're getting money from someone or. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. It's not, though. You it's know? not comfortable, it's but it's what, how they have prioritized their comfort or what they Which think is provides still, again, them comfort. Based on a perception of other people, because for a comfort of what? Like a car that's a certain price or an apartment that's a certain level of niceness or, you know, in air quotes. Um, I, I really think. I really do think that a lot of times folks are. They're making decisions that then 
unfortunately require them to be tethered financially to something. And this is not for everyone, right? There's yeah, definitely tons true. of folks who are, um, you know, I'm just talking about the majority of people who are following the work that we're doing, whether it's books, social media, whatever, you know, where I, I remember there was, I did a, a short series of podcasts short being like 50 something episodes, which is not that short on business stuff. And one of them I'm kind of talking about how, like, look, if you don't have 25 bucks to buy a book, you should not be commenting on things on social media and telling people you can't afford the book. Like, go get to work. Do something to earn the 25 bucks. It's not 2500 It's $25. And if you're wasting time commenting on my shit on social media, I cannot help you if you don't see the problem. So anyway, I think that having businesses has been like this um, incubator for self-reflection and then watching people around me. So I have folks who are in coaching programs with me, 21 Day Sugar Detox coaches and different types of health coaches, um, as well as, as you know, the Beauty Counter team. So it's a direct sales company that I just never thought I would be doing something like that. But in the last few years, decided to do it because I love the products and have been extremely successful at it, which is not that surprising to me and to perhaps people who know me really well. Yeah, and to I others, mean- they're like, who is this? And I'm like, I... I don't know. It's just, I'm doing my thing. You know, it's fine. Um, But I think having um, the experience and watching people who are so capable, have so much experience, so much wisdom, knowledge, expertise, empathy to be able to help other people. And yet they're paralyzed and afraid to do the work. And I'm like, I don't really know what to tell you because you have all the tools and resources within you and in this program that I've created or in this product or whatever it is. And it's like watching people just be totally paralyzed when all it takes is just doing the work day after day and it's going to happen. That to me is just like kind of mind blowing. Like how how is it that I believe in you more than you believe in you? That's I don't a pro- understand that's a pro- that. That's a problem for me. Where that's where I die basically <laughs> because I am people's number one fan. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see them succeed mm-hmm. so bad that it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. And when I when I see people not executing, which is like you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Expect that. Oh, I, that's like I had that comment exactly to somebody like yesterday. What if I fail? I'm like, guess what? You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. People are going to say no. It's all going to happen. Everything you think is terrible and it's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, and someone really close to you or someone you care yeah. about is going to say something negative or something that's going to freak you out. Mm-hmm. Well, that is going to happen. It's going to happen. You're right. So now what? Do, it, do, do you just not do it because of that? I mean, and I, I think, I guess I think a lot scary. of people actually, I think people um, somehow assign like, major life collapsing to the things that really aren't going to be that it's like Mm -hmm. it's like they think if they leave a job to do this other thing that they're gonna not be able to pay the bills etc okay well yeah if you have an idea today and leave your six-figure job tomorrow probably that's gonna go wrong right that's not a good idea but what if you spend one to two years moonlighting in this other thing you really want to do to the point where you're breaking and you say enough is enough i'm actually earning some good money in this other thing now and i realize that those other 40 to 60 hours a week i'm feel like i'm personally dying at this office working for someone else i could be dedicating to this thing I'm really passionate about. And then you make the leap. And I just was talking to a friend today who's a person that I remember being like, 
quit that job. Like she's working at an ad agency and just killing herself while they had this other side hustle that now is a huge business because it was like, finally you take the leap. But I think, I don't know if it's like people aren't ready to be uncomfortable for an indefinite amount of time and work that hard. And I don't think people know how hard you actually have to work. Or they, or they do and they're like, I'm not going to do it. I think it's the uncertainty. That's what I think it is. I think uncertainty is paralyzing, mm. especially mm-hmm. if you focus on the uncertainty mm-hmm. because it's what's out of your control and when you focus on... But what I think is so funny is they think a job is certainty and security and to me that seems the like the that's least running secure it or thing. Whatever. Yeah. That's in someone else's hands. Yeah. They can fire you tomorrow. And it doesn't matter if it's a, yeah, any job. Any job. A yeah. J-O-B. It is quite interesting. Uh, I was going to ask you something, but I, uh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, okay. So we were we'll talking about back. things that you're excited about, which is now this, this uh, new business, mm-hmm. which is an old business mm-hmm. that you've kind of uh, given life again. It's crazy. Which is awesome. Something that I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about when was the last time I had fun doing something? Can you remember the last time you had fun doing something related to work or in life? All the, I mean, all the time. Yeah, what right? Do you mean? But most people don't have fun. <laughs> I think like my tour is so fun. I want to talk about your tour, yeah, actually. touring is really fun. Everyone's like, oh, that sounds so hard. It's all this travel. I'm like, I get to leave my life and responsibilities to my husband. Bye, honey. You, know, <laughs> uh, you, know, you can take care of the fur kids. Um, oh, man. No, I mean, I think that that's so much fun. It's It's hard. You know, it's physically challenging, but it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um it's so cool. I mean, it's super cool for people to show up on a Friday night to learn about nerdy nutrition stuff. Like that's so cool. Um, no, I think that's super fun. I mean, I think all of it's fun. I love, um, like we were talking about, I love being able to verbalize this thing that either I've been doing or that I observe and then watch people have a revelation. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's really fun. It's rewarding. Um, I think all of it's pretty fun. I love watching the women on my team on Team Balance Bites. So one of the women on my team has been, I don't know, four or five years at least. It, it always feels like longer. And like watching how she develops as a person awesome. and how much more confident she is. Like, I think that's really fun. I think all of it's fun. If it weren't fun, aside from the fact that writing books in the moment, as I said, you know, those several months of pain and giving up, like I've given up the last six summers of my life. I haven't really had a summer you know, even when I was in New Jersey, like the year that I came to your thing, like I don't, I didn't get to go down the shore. <laughs> People who know what that is, like going to the beach in the summer. I didn't, I was like writing books in the summer. So they would release in the fall or in January. And that's just kind of the timing. Um, you know, so that stuff was sucky <laughs> in the moment, but, but I find fun in solving problems and learning new skills and acquiring new skills and, and feeling challenged. And then that reward of overcoming the challenge. So becoming a better food photographer and being able to do that and have the control over it, but also execute a vision, I think is really fun. It's mm-hmm. rewarding. You know what just hit me right now is that, as you were saying this is that you are willing to also learn new skills constantly, which a lot of people don't want to do. People don't want to learn and new I'm things. Not, 
I'm not book smart. Like I don't consider, I didn't have, you know, straight A's in school. I wasn't just like an easy student who, you know, studied and like got the straight A's and all of that. I was like a solid B plus student in high school. And then in college I was, I graduated with honors because I could pick the stuff I was interested in. Right. And I think there were two classes I got a C in because I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like microeconomics. I would sit in the class and be like, yeah, this totally makes sense. And I would get home and be like, what the fuck just happened? I can't, I, or no, or like accounting. I think it was accounting. I was like, which is why I have a bookkeeper, you know? So I was like, obviously don't leave me in charge of that. Or like anthropology. Yeah, that's not, not no, my thing. Not but you know, either. biology, I was pretty cool. I was pretty good with that. You I, know, I, was pretty I studied good with biology, basically. Biology, like science and anything, you know, interpersonal, like consumer. But you know, anyway, uh, learning but, new skills. But it, yeah, I just think that that is what makes people interesting. And I think it, it's what makes you a valuable person um, to others. You can help other people. And the idea of like having a job versus having a whole lot of skills that can be transferred to a, any different job. I mean, I'm not even joking. I sometimes like daydream about just working at Trader Joe's again. I've worked of course, there too. I think about this all the time. I, I sometimes I'm driving down the street and I think to myself, I wish I was, uh, you know, cleaning the streets. When I see someone cleaning the street, I'm or like, or my oh. friend and I were like, dude, I don't want this that, whole of course, but. Um, Instacart thing. I'm like, if that was around when I was in nutrition school, I would have grocery shopped for everybody. Of course, I was like. Why didn't I get paid for that? I love grocery shopping. Do you think that's something that that, that feels simple and kind of like it has a start and a finish? Totally. Yeah. My and work because, would be done. Exactly. At some point. Right now, your work never ends. Never. Never. But I, but I, also, but I also love having a task that's like, put the thing on the shelf and it's done. And then also, I'm. it's so weird to say because I... I have short patience a lot of the time, but I really enjoy customer service. I enjoy solving problems and then I, I enjoy surprising somebody with the fact that I can solve their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I will call 10 stores and find that pair of jeans for you. Don't you worry. I got this. You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, when, when we were looking for apartments, uh, Tanya was like, <laughs> I'm sending you apartment Di- listings. Di- like, Diane's blowing up our phone. <laughs> But I, I think that that's really fun. Like if my friends who are entrepreneurs are like, okay, what do you think? I have this problem. I'm like, I don't care what I was working on. I'm like, I would rather help you solve this problem. Right. I think that's really fun. But anyway. I, yeah. Um, I, I don't want to b- blow more smoke up, up, up your ass here. But <laughs> uh, one thing that I think you're also skilled at, uh, which I've noticed and I, I got to experience personally, you're maybe wondering, what is he going to say? <laughs> is... Uh, you have a way of saying things that when you say them, they are so black and white and true that you can't help but to move towards it. Hmm. Uh, for example, that's nice. Thank uh, you. Th- that's what I've. I'm not a words of affirmation person unless the person I feel like is really getting what I'm about. And I'm like, yes, that's good. Right? Can you write that down? <laughs> right. We have a transcript. Of yeah, this? We, we got transcript. We got okay. transcript. Okay, yeah. Um. And the reason I bring this up is because when you transitioned into talking about Beauty Counter, for mm-hmm. example, I was still watching. And I'm not buying your products, <laughs> but I was very interested. And then uh, I didn't think much about it uh, until we were starting to look for new apartments. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, it's a little bit out of our budget. We're currently you know, in, in the beginning of build this, building this new business, and we're a little bit strapped for cash. And you're just like, make more money. And I'm like, yeah, 
make more money. So you know what I went home and did? I just like turned up a little bit with the ads. I'm like, I'm going to post a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden what's happening? More cash is coming in. I have the systems there. The machine is there. I just need to hear someone say, make more money. (laughs) (laughs) It it sounds so simple and so stupid right now. But that's the solution. I mean, that's just... What do you want? Make, what do you make mean? it happen. Yeah, make it happen. I mean, I know, and I, I know that for some people that feels, I think people make it harder than it really is. Mm-hmm. Because for, for you to do push a few buttons, essentially, to make more money, for a lot of people, it's not it that means, simple, but yeah, and for, for a lot of people, but that means getting another job. I have never just worked one job. I still don't. I still yeah, have a side hustle I. to my side hustle because I want to do things in my life and I refuse to let an employer dictate my worth. I will work harder, work more hours, work smarter, work, you know, get things on autopilot or whatever it's going to be so that I can do what I want to do and live how I want to live. And it's not, you know, extravagant. It's just what is comfortable and, and just whatever it is that I want. But that's like, that's always been me. Like if you ask my friends when I was little, like if I wanted to do something, my parents, if I wanted to do something, I would do jobs to earn the money to do the thing. And when I was a certain age, it was my parents were like, I'll pay for half. You know, like they would pay for half mm-hmm. of something. They would never just buy the thing. Right. I mean, to pay for half was very generous. But it was never like, okay, you want that? Here you go. I was like, we'll pay for half. And and I would figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, That's cool. Anyway. Yeah, we're, we're kind of doing the same thing right now with tonight. She wants a, she wants a car. So mm-hmm. we said, okay. You make money, mm-hmm. whatever you put into the bank account mm-hmm. will match mm-hmm. and, yeah. until you have enough money to yeah. buy a car. Yeah. And that's how we'll do it. I mean, I think that that, that teaches a work ethic, you For know, sure. and, and not everybody maybe wants the same things, but I'm like, I've always wanted certain things or I wanted to set up a TV in my room. And there was a back when TV monitors became computer monitors, our parents had an extra TV that they had used for a computer monitor, and it was just like sitting in a room when then it was defunct as a t- as a computer monitor. And I just picked it up, took it upstairs, and plugged it in and wired it up. I don't know what I was doing, but I figured it out. My sister got really mad. She's like, "How does she get a TV?" And my parents were like, "I don't know." She hooked it up. <laughs> right. It's like such a metaphor for like everything that I do. She's like, "How did she do that?" I don't know. She just quietly kept her head down and like got to work and didn't tell anyone what she was doing until she just like turned it on and there it is you know she has a tv (laughs) and you don't (laughs) yeah and 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 that's that's like were you waiting for someone to tell you you could have it people are like waiting for permission for whatever a lot of people are waiting for permission and not and maybe not willing to like get the side hustle just do Mm. like you know in college i was always working on the weekends or whatever, I would meet people out at the bar after I would get off of work. You know, it's mm-hmm. 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, close up the gap, <laughs> like literally count out the money, whatever. And then and, hit the bar. And like, I wouldn't drink because I drove to the bar and I wanted to drive home. This is in Syracuse. So I'm like, I'm not walking home. It's 30 degrees outside. <laughs> like, you must be crazy. Um, so, you know, I'd meet up and like be a little bit social. But I can't imagine you doing that right now. Working was my way of avoiding the partying that I didn't really want to do in the first place. You know what? That's I was like, so, I don't know. I have to work. We're, we're definitely, we, kind of, we definitely are living parallel lives because that used to, that used to be for me, uh, doing gymnastics mm-hmm. when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get off practice until 10, 10 30 at night. And on the weekends we would travel and I wouldn't get home until 11 
p.m. Mm-hmm. And when I would get home, my friends were getting ready to go out. And I'm like, no, I'm mm-hmm. good to see you guys. I'm going to bed. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I missed the I pre-party. I was like, oh, I'm the designated driver. That's you it. know, okay, I'll drive you guys home. That's funny. No problem. You guys kill your liver. I'm good. I'm just stashing away money trying to pay for my life here. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did you ever feel alone? Of course. Yeah, totally. Totally. I actually think meeting other people with the same personality type is really the best, especially women. I actually have two good friends, um, women who I know, at least, you know, one of them, Mary Shenouda, who mm-hmm. is the same personality type. Um, and that is really helpful because it's like we think the same way about a lot of things. So that's been really interesting. But even just like when we talk about something, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I think. And I'm right. like, I know. Well, what? Like, otherwise, you do feel kind of like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely amongst a lot of people. I mean, it's like decisions that I've made in my life that people um, questioned. My parents never did, really. They were like, my mom, I always joke, my mom would be like, do whatever makes you happy. Because you're going to anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was the subtext was because you're going to anyway. Um, we'll be here to catch if we have to. You know, and yeah, but so funny example of that. Like when I had the meal business, when I started Balance Bites as a meal business, which is what it was called back then, Balance Bites, back in 2008. Whatever, I didn't know, but there was whatever money my parents had kind of set aside, assuming we'll pay for her to get married one day, which wasn't like a ton of money, mm-hmm. but maybe it was like ten or $20,000, which is a lot. It's just not, you know, this hundreds of thousands that some people end up spending on a wedding, which whatever. Whatever. No judgment, but I don't have that kind of money to spend on a wedding. So I was like, whatever. Um, I was like, just why don't you give me that money now? <laughs> I will take whatever it is, do this thing that I'm going to try and do. This, I was, you know, almost 30. Well, if I get married one day, I'll deal with that. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, you know, and I'll pay for it when it happens, if it happens, whatever. Um, So I took whatever that money was, however much it was, I don't remember, and was like kind of living on that and trying to get that to go, you know, making the business go at the time. So fast forward however many years to, you know, getting married to Scott, it was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to pay for this. It's fine. I took that money years ago. You guys don't owe me anything. Of course, my mom's like, oh, we want to pay, still want to pay for this thing or whatever. You know, it was at their house. They rented a tent or whatever they did. And, you know, we kept it really low key anyway. Awesome. And, and that was like a perfect example of just, I don't know, I'm like not afraid that things won't work out. Right. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's an interesting feeling too. It's, it's uh, loneliness uh, is something I feel a lot. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a very interesting um, kind of thought that you you hold in your head all the time. You're like, what am I doing on this plane right now, going to some random town to for me teach someone how to do a push up? For mm-hmm. you, talk about this is what you should put in your mouth mm-hmm. uh, if you want to stop having diarrhea all the time. Uh, <laughs> poor doggy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the dog. That's a. She, I mean, I, she, she's I, resting. Now. I don't feel as like what am I doing with it even talking about nutrition because I do feel I do feel like getting someone to change their food as I was saying earlier it is a catalyst for a lot of other things because mm-hmm. once they do that and they're not thinking about that as often then I think that um it like frees up this capacity and also they recognize that they have a power they didn't know that they had 
You know what I mean? That's it's like, really cool. oh, I feel really different. I feel so much better. I didn't, and and I did that. You know, it's like they have this win, which I'm sure that happens in the gym all, yeah, too. All it's the like, time, all the oh, time. I just did a thing. I didn't know I could do, and what else can I do that I didn't think I could do? You know, so it's like when we get people to have that little bit of success, I think it does open the door for a lot of other things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I mostly wonder, like, what am I here to do beyond this? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's an interesting point. So um, a few, maybe two weeks ago or something, you just finished your tour mm-hmm. and you posted and you were kind of emotional about it ending. Do you remember? I like how you remember things I post way more than I do. I'm like, what did I say? Look, I'm the biggest fan. blacked out. I'm like, I don't even know what I said. You posted and you said, hey, I'm feeling emotional right now because um, I just finished this tour and I'm super grateful for every single person that came out to see me and spend Mm -hmm. time away from their families and spent money and uh, Mm -hmm. are genuinely invested in you. And, uh, you know, and then the next morning at four in the morning, you're, you're getting on a plane to uh, come home or whatever. Why do you think uh, it means so much to you to do this? Because I, I see that happening. I see the person who is like, we made your recipe. And like what it does in their life is so much more than just food. You know, it's like it's solving a problem. It's making life easier. It's it's this like little thing that has so many ramifications that are just so much bigger than that. And again, it, it's empowering them. They, they're like, oh, I didn't know it could be that easy or I didn't know I could feel this way. And I, I think, I don't know, when I when I stop and think about, so here's another personality test thing. Strengths Finder, have you done that mm-hmm. one? Have you done it? I did. Okay. So I actually may have the res- I can't remember all them. the aspects, but dig uh, them out. All right, yeah. you get them. Yeah. I'll dig it out. I think it was like futuristic my- connector. Oh. Um, yeah, oh, interesting. Okay, so one of one of my strengths, which is um, pretty well related, I have it on a different email. Yeah, fine. Well, I have a photo of a thing that I made. Maybe I'll make you one that you can frame. Please. Okay, so one of my strengths, which is pretty well related to being a type eight is significance, which is, I think I have significance. It's really as well. heavy. Yeah. That one's really heavy because I mean, for me, what that means is like, I'm, I'm seeking significance. It's really important for me to be significant. It's one of the reasons why I don't want to have a lot of friends because if I'm going to be your friend, I want to matter as mm-hmm. a friend. I don't want to just be one of many. Like I, I really want to be someone that is important in your life. Um, and so I can't pull it up right now, but um, I think that recognizing that I have significance in someone's life, like when their kid knows my name, you know, as this like, maybe they don't really know me or that somebody would spend that many hours to come to the event. It, it's really meaningful because it's a lot of effort to get there. You know what it's like to travel on a plane, to be away from your family, your bed, your pets, your, mm-hmm. you know, your life. And it's a lot of effort and emotional investment for us to get to the place, which is why I can't stand when someone's like, come here, come here, if I haven't asked. Because I'm like, I will ask you when I want to know where I'm you want me to go. Right now because I, I get but the in the meantime, thing. unless you've got a private jet for me and someone to watch the pets, like, stop asking because it feels imposing to me. I'm like, 
it feels heavy every time you say that because it feels like a demand. And I'm like, stop demanding of my time. I'm giving so much already. There is not more. It's a limited resource, right? So, yeah, that's a big one. So, so this limited resource that we're that you're giving to me and I'm giving to you in that moment at the event, because an event is the time and place where, aside from this connection on Instagram, where maybe you're like, wow, I'm like into it. I'm a I'm a fan. But it's like knowing someone in person, especially someone who challenges you. Every single person that comes to my book signing gets it. Like after they leave, they're like, you know what? I thought she was kind of like mean or harsh or or whatever. And they're like, but then I'm there in the room and I, I get the energy. It's different. It's mm-hmm. because she really cares what's yeah. happening on the other end. It's not right. She's not saying, you know, then just quit your job because she's trying to be a jerk. It's like what you've just told me is you want to quit your job and I'm not doing it for X, Y, Z reason. You know, so it's like I'm the person who's like, take the nail out of your head. You know, that YouTube video where mm-hmm. someone's complaining about a problem or like the just make more money. Right. It's like I'm just kind of cutting through to the thing that matters and identifying it. And so when we're in the room together, I really appreciate that people – it's it's their undivided attention, which 100%. is the only I've sat, currency I've sat, we have. I've sat in that room, yeah, and, and it's awesome. So there's a, there, I have a saying that I, I use at my seminars. People freak out when I say it. I say, uh, I don't care about your problems. Mm-hmm. I have enough of my own, mm-hmm. but I do care about what you're going to do about your problems. Mm-hmm. I tell people I don't care what they eat. Exactly. It's like they're like what? I don't care what yeah. your problems are, but I do care about how you mm-hmm. are interacting with them. And I think that is something that is is a hard thing sometimes, maybe for our types uh, personality. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's kind of like, here's the solution. Mm-hmm. You just have to move towards that. Mm-hmm. But now I have to exercise extreme patience because you will only do that when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the reasons why I stopped one-on-one coaching pretty early into the, the practice of it. Mm-hmm. Am I losing my mic? No, no, you're good. Okay. I'm like mirroring everything you're doing. Like what's happening here? I'm just, um, I'm, I'm relaxed. I recognize that my investment in what other people do with the hand that they're dealt and the time that they have, I will get way too invested. So I just need to distance myself from it. I think that's a little bit of like the extroversion. I mean, I, I definitely consider myself a bit of an introverted extrovert. Like I really value the quiet time after an event, which I mean, I just think introversion, extroversion is a little bit bullshit because I think so who doesn't need time by themselves after a hundred people are standing around you if you think nobody needs time to decompress I just think that that's not real yeah I live in um, that gray area too I mean I do think some people are just maybe better at <clears throat> creating an energy bubble and in a way like I can walk through a crowded farmer's market and I'm fine I'm like whatever is happening around me but anyway um now I lost my train of thought uh yeah well we were talking about um not not caring about oh, people's problems so but working with people yeah, one-on-one, one-on-one that's right it was like i just can't be this close to all your problems because it's not helping anything and i think most of the stuff that people need to work on um it's about them really identifying who they are and taking ownership again and accountability of like, oh, this is what I've been doing. This is how I've been reacting and responding to the things around me. This is how I'm speaking to that person and and 
being able to have them identify that. And I I think that most people are kind of walking around a little bit zombie-like and not tuned in to exactly the way that they show up in the world. And so um, I think that that is something most people really only know going to therapy as a way to tap into that. I think we can get a lot further than that before we're in a situation where we have to pay that type of price. And, you know, my sister's a therapist, she's in London and she works with people. And so, you know, when we talk about topics like this, she gets like a little stressed, like, well, you know, you're sure that you're qualified to say these things. I'm like, well, I'm just helping people see what's in them. And I mean, if they have a trauma to deal with, that's a childhood trauma or something going on in their lives, they should seek therapy and counseling. But if they can't own the way that they speak, if they can't own the way they move through the world, like I just want to crack that open. Just get them to see that there's this whole other situation happening that they have yet to identify. And and this was, I mean, this used to happen for me all the time. Like I have a couple of friends who would be like, Diane, you're being super defensive about X, Y, Z. And this was, you know, 20 years ago, you know, and I'm like, oh, interesting. And now I can look at like the Enneagram 8 and see along this scale of like how healthy is your personality type or, you know, how healthy are you in this range? And what does it look like to get to this level of being a healthier version of yourself and recognizing that like being overly selfish or not magnanimous is like that's those are traits of an eight that's not healthy. And as soon as the eight turns it around and is like really generous and doesn't put themselves as the center of what needs to be the quote success or whatever it is like recognizing that and being able to see that that's why I think that these frameworks are so helpful because we can get so far it's the same way I think buying a book about nutrition getting 80 to 90 percent of the way then go to the naturopath who's going to tell you to stop eating sugar anyway so why are you paying them all this money wasting money to tell you to stop eating sugar when I could tell you that for 25 bucks in a Mm -hmm. book right and you could actually do the work then you have to do the work. You have to do but, the work. But like you can go to a psychiatrist for whatever, $100, two, $300 an hour, whatever it's going to be, and if you have insurance, whatever it is, and, and, and they can do that, but they're still going to crack open all of the same stuff. So it's either going to take you two years to get to it, you know, before you get to that thing that happened, or I don't know, I just feel like helping yourself is a good way to go because you will always be with yourself. So you can always continue to do that work if you have those tools. Right. Better figure it out because uh, you're, you're going to be on your own to some, some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, you, know, it, you know what that brings up for I me? I was like, what is this podcast about? What are we going to talk about? And you're like, this, we're going to talk about anything that we think is really interesting. Yeah, that's what this podcast is all about. And that's why I love it. Um, do you usually talk about these things uh, on, on your podcast? Um. We've dabbled a little bit in some of the like Enneagram or in the Four Tendencies, which is Gretchen Rubin's framework. Talking which about I have read. How we handle expectations. Did you gave did, it to me? Did, did so you did read it? Mm-hmm. Did we decide that you're a rebel or you don't know? I'm, I'm a rebel, okay. but I think I I, I trend uh, rebel. You know, I kind of I, I feel like towards, I swing, but I think I think. What do you think you lean towards? You don't remember what they are. No, I don't. I just remember I'm a rebel. <laughs> It's all that matters it's the for one the rebel. <laughs> That's all I can remember. But Logan, I, like a true rebel, none of the others matter. But you know what I realized in reading that? That I have some unresolved business, and I have this need, uh, not a need, but I want everyone to kind of like me. Oh, I don't have that. But at the same time, it, it's just a story that's kind of hmm. uh, very superficial. And I have this, uh, and it, I think it comes from my past, because I used to be pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. 
and people are like, man, you're so judgmental. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just stating my observation. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was kind of hurting my mm-hmm. relationships, especially with women, mm-hmm. uh, like with my mom or my sisters mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, even with Tanya. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I need to change the way I'm expressing myself. And I don't know if it's because I'm a man or what it is, but I've, I've learned to be a little bit more gentle. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, oh, man, I don't, want, I don't want them to not like me for having this observation in this mm-hmm. moment. Uh, and I've realized that I'm lacking a certain ability to articulate mm-hmm. certain things that is limiting me from being the full rebel that I can be, if that I makes sense. No, you're making more of the rebel tendency than it is. All it is is how do you handle expectations. I'm, I'm a rebel. Yeah. That's you for don't, sure. You don't respond well to expectations, but you will do whatever you decide to do. 100%. 100%. But I think the other part is probably more of the type 8, so you will dive into that. That's, that's your my homework, homework from this yep, episode. I'm in. Um, I think we loaned out our main Enneagram book, but The Wisdom of the Enneagram is a pretty deep, big workbook you can get and use that. There's lots of... Um, that's a good resource. I'm like... Hashtag not sponsored, you know, but Enneagram stuff. But I think it's really, really helpful, especially when you see the levels of like unhealthy, moderate, healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the um, elements of it is criticism. I mean, I'm very critical, which is one of the reasons I'm so sensitive to watching and observing other people be critical. I am always trying to buffer my criticism, too. And I think um, same thing with my husband who with the type ones are really, really sensitive to criticism because they want to do everything right. I'm, I don't care if I make a mistake. I'm like, oops, my bad. I totally did that wrong. I fucked it up. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I does not like, per, it's not a personal stress to me to make a mistake. I'm disappointed in myself. Sure. If I mess something up, but it doesn't like cut my sense of who I am. If something isn't right, I'm fine to iterate, do it again. We do it better the next time. That's yeah. me. But the the type ones are really sensitive to criticism and it feels like I did it wrong and I am wrong and I am bad. Like that's what they feel criticism as. And so what I find really interesting about these types is when you understand um, how certain words feel to certain types, you know, like if someone says I didn't work hard, I'm like, you better fucking back up. If someone challenges how hard I've worked for something, then I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm almost in tears. It happened recently and I did not. Someone said to you that you didn't work hard No, they just, it was just a little bit of like, you need to be all in on this. And I wanted to be like, if you think for one second, I am not all in on anything that I make a decision to do, then we have other things to discuss. Like I, and I don't think I went there in the conversation. I think I just was like, breathe, Diane, just breathe. Like it's okay. He is not sure. He's just saying it as he's not, it's not personal. It's just, I'm going to say it because I need to just say it because if, if for any, you know, I think this was, I was like, what's he thinking? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking he's thinking if for any reason, She's not giving it her all. I just want to encourage her to give it her all. I, like I literally had to stop and have this whole dialogue to myself of what I think he the, was thinking. The this person was thinking. His, yeah. yeah, not my husband, but yeah. you know, because he would never say anything like that. Because uh, he's the one who's here watching me working all the time, and, he, and he's very gentle. Yeah, and and this person was not harsh in what they were saying, but it was just like a reinforcement of it. But that was like. 
that was bad. So anyway, I I do think that that's a a challenge of our type. And in looking back at relationships I've had, friendships, et cetera, um, I'm like, okay, well, I can see why that friendship did kind of work pretty well. That one has always been challenging because that person, it's really uncomfortable for that person to hear the really direct stuff, but I'm still always going to, that's what I'm going to be in that person's life or I'm basically not in that person's life anymore because it was too much, Mm -hmm. you know, after however long. And then there are people for whom that is exactly what they want and need. And I'm in their lives for as long as it's going to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I think you, you even bring that to social media as well. mm. Like you're, you're telling people straight, like you told me, make more money. Oh yeah, that's right. Make more money. I remember watching a, um, one of the, Steve Jobs movies. I don't know what it was called. Steve Jobs. I don't know. What are they called? Jobs. I don't know. Something like that. And there was one where he was talking about uh, the Macintosh and how all these people were like, it's too expensive. And he was like, this is the price. Buy it or don't. And so that's like literally like since whenever I saw that movie, however many years ago, I've constantly been like, this is me. Take it or leave it. This is it. Buy it or don't. Like, uh, you know. There is not a negotiation to happen. There's not a, you know, there's a certain, it's like I will think and overthink and analyze and spend all the time making my decision. So once it's there, take it or leave it. Yeah, you I know, think a lot like of people tend to, tend to bend, right? They, they start freaking out. They're like, oh, should I discount here? Should I discount there? Mm-hmm. Should I be a little flexible? And all of a sudden you're living in this gray world. Well, they don't know what they think. They're not sure what their boundaries are. They're not sure what they stand for. That's a lot of these, like all all different types, you know. But it's like, I don't know. If you're listening, there are people who are like, "Well, I'm I'm not sure what I think of that thing." Like the context always matters. Yeah, the context matters. But I think that there are certain folks who are just. I'm sure we all have them in their in our lives who just you're not sure how they're going to react in any given situation, and I find that really difficult to be around. So there was a certain point at which I was like. I think I'm really difficult. And then one day my mom said to me, actually, Diane, you're really easy to be around because I always know where we stand. I know if you're upset about something. I know if you're happy. There's no question. I'm not walking on eggshells around you because if you're upset about something, you will tell me. Like, it's okay. And I don't have to wonder. And I was like, that is, thank you for telling me that because for however long I thought, you know, I was difficult because I have boundaries and that that was difficult. And she's like, actually, it's not. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh interesting for somebody who can respect them you know if somebody's constantly trying to push them then those boundaries are going to be difficult i was just going to ask that Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah what does that look like i don't know because you already drew the line and the line is the line i'm i'm not sure who's testing my i mean people on social media test my boundaries every day because they don't really know me so i get that you know that people will ask for more and, and whatever make demands, which is why I consistently reiterate whatever it was, you know, that like, here's, here's how I operate. And a lot of people get really uncomfortable with that. They're like, oh, I, I wish you didn't have to always explain yourself. I'm like, don't worry about me. Those people are new here. It's not the people who've been here for forever constantly pushing the boundaries. It's the new folks. It's okay. I see, I know who's new. I know you've been here for five years. We're on the same page. It's good. Don't you worry about me. But this, but it's a lesson too, because a lot of people are like, you know, I never really was firm in my boundaries. And then I've been watching you and following you. And it's like, 
like what you said about business kind of being the excuse for or the you know the reason or the proxy by which mm-hmm. I can teach these lessons. I don't know if I like the word excuse, so I'm just not sure I'm going to use it. But yeah. um, Pro- proxy is good. Yeah. So it's like this this way to actually have these conversations. Ultimately, what people learn the most from is just how we show up in the world. It's not what we really do with the business. It's not whether or not you know something succeeds or fails. It's not whether each of my books makes the times list. Nobody really cares about that. They just care how I show up in the world, and that's the example. Because I was like, I have been asking some friends, I'm like, what am I doing here? What am I teaching people? What am I? They're like, you're just being you, and people are interested in how you operate because they want a little more of that in their lives. They want to be able to set these boundaries. And and does that mean I have amazing relationships with every family member? No, because I cut ties with certain family members years ago. No one in my immediate family, right? But like outside of my nuclear family. Yeah, there's anyone some, who was toxic, you're just kind of like, you're done. I, you know, and, and I don't know that I identified it in a certain way, but I just remember being like, I don't really like being at that person's house. So when my parents be like, we're going here for this holiday, I'm like, mm. as soon as I was old enough to have a say, I was like, mm, not going to go. That's not going to go. Makes sense. What's going to happen? That is so interesting. What, what I, happens? They don't like me? Well, I didn't like them. It's okay. Right. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't like, like you first. I didn't, I didn't really want to be there. I didn't want to spend 12 hours of this day. You know, and, and I get that that's t- it's hard for people because they're like, oh, I don't want to do this with my family. Well, you make that decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. Then live with the consequences. That's the thing of the rebel. I think our, our tolerance for uncomfortable consequences is much higher than other people's because we feel very much in control of our decisions. So we're also okay with the consequences. If this means, if me going for this business means I might be kind of broke for a while, okay with that because I get to choose what I'm going to do. Right. More important for me to have freedom of choice than it is to not have this potentially slightly painful consequence. I'm with you on that. Actually, that's it. That's what a if great... this happens? I'm like, what if it happens? Exactly. I don't know. It may happen. It may. <laughs> I will go work at Trader Joe's. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I've thought about this many times. I'm like, I could drive Lyft or Uber or I could do anything. Mm-hmm. I can clean this. I, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. There, there are people who have asked me. Well, it seems like you, you know, through social media, like you're on this, uh, you know, flying kind of high, doing all these great things around the world. It's like, well, shit happens. Yeah. Sometimes you have oh, to. We've had the conversation, Scott and I, of like, what if we couldn't afford to live here mm-hmm. because we live arguably in the most expensive city in the world, right? Yeah, it's I don't, very expensive. Where is it more expensive to well, live? I, I, don't I don't know. know. New York, um, maybe. I don't not think even? so. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think. Yeah. What would happen if you couldn't afford to live here? Um, we would. We would move. Right. You would just move. That's it. I don't care. You know what? Then what? I mean, then I'm not living in my favorite city, but well, be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't really have. I'm not that attached to it. Yeah. Like my worth as an individual showing up in the world is not is, like is, is Scott well, attached to it. Well, I mean, he's attached to his business being here and his patience and helping the people that he's here for and building a practice around, of course. And and I'm attached. It's not like tomorrow we're going to leave or any right. of that. Not, I mean, none of that's an imminent thing. But talking about it and making sure that we have a backup plan, like what if? I don't know. I don't have a backup plan. 
Should we were like, maybe should, we were like, I? well, we'd probably go to Vegas. We'd live in Vegas. Actually, Vegas is a good, good a transition. It's, it's less expensive. The taxes in the state are, you know, no yeah, state tax. Um, we know some people there, you know, and that's basically it. That's cool. And like, we could live there. There's a Whole Foods. All right, I'm good. Yeah, that, there's, a, there's a Whole Foods. That's <laughs> I, right. Like, I don't really need much. Yeah, you're going to make I it. I love living in San Francisco, so it makes it seem like I need this, like, oh, I live in this amazing city. But like, aside from being here... You know, my parents aren't in one place all the time anymore, so living anywhere they are is not really a thing. And yeah, so anyway, I think that having those, like, what's the worst case scenario? I think that having that and being okay with that is really important. And I think a lot of people are um, just, like, not comfortable with the idea that they might regress in any way that... Um, is a picture of, quote, success to other people. Mm-hmm. Like if I own a house in San Francisco now, but one day rented a condo in Las Vegas, if other people think something of that, it's not my business. Yeah, it's not my business either. Yeah, I, you know? I, I wouldn't worry about that. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But people are looking at, especially with Instagram, it's like, well, he's flying all over the place and doing this and doing that. It's like people are making these assumptions assumptions about what that means or yeah. whatever. They probably wouldn't want to live that life anyways because it's not that comfortable. No. So, <laughs> so anyway. we, we're, we're, let's okay. bring this to a, a, a gentle close. Okay. What, what's the message? What are, what are we going to tell people? Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you want people to know? What's Diane Sanfilippo's <laughs> like? See you later, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember... Oh God, no pressure. I think, I think when you're looking at someone else's journey and feeling like it's super impossible to get wherever this picture of where you think they are is, it is important to know that there, there was always a lot of hard work behind it, but it's just one day at a time of shit that they didn't know what they were doing at the time. And it, I really think this happens to most people. It's like you're constantly doing the work and then one day this opportunity does present itself. You know, they talk about like opportunity meets preparation like or whatever. I feel like that's kind of what my life has been, this series of just working hard at things that I think are fun or enjoyable or I'm learning something or I'm being challenged. And when I'm not challenged and I'm not learning something, I move on. And I think the idea of staying comfortable is super overrated because I'm not sure what everyone else is thinking or what their beliefs are around how many times we get to be here on the planet, you know? But I feel like most people operate as if they have a lot more time than they do or that they're going to do this again. And I'm like, this is it, you guys. This is it. So if you are waking up every Monday going to this job you hate for what is like 83% or something of your time or 70 something percent of your time is spent at a job you hate. You just, uh, Carl, what's called you Scott? Yeah, Carl no, just made like a sour yeah, lemon face. No, thank you. But like if I don't you go. hate what you're doing, okay, maybe you can't quit tomorrow, but make a plan to get a different job or start something because Nobody wants to be around you anyway, if that's how you are, because that means that you don't like your life. And I just can't be around people who don't like their lives. And if that's you, the people around you probably don't enjoy hearing you complain. So it's like, 
I don't really know what my big message is, but I, I think there's something to this idea of find what it is that you like to do with your time, figure out a way to make money doing it. And I, I really think that that's kind of what we're all supposed to do. I don't think we're supposed to be doing a job for the paycheck, for the activities we're going to do after work and on the weekends. That sounds really depressing to me. And if people are doing things because they have kids or a mortgage or whatever, it's like, first of all, your kids don't need all the stuff you think they need. The basics. Most of us grew up with much more humble stuff, right, than, than kids are getting today. Um, like unconditional love and support and a roof and some food. And like, that's the basics. And that's really what people need. Um, and I think that that's, I don't know. It's like, I even put that in practical paleo. I remember Rob Wolf talked about it in his seminars. He's like, everyone's talking about how expensive it is to eat. And it's like, well, what's your car cost you? What does this thing cost you? All this stuff that doesn't really matter. You're spending all this money on yeah, check your bills and you're because you, but you want, but you're going to go to this job for this. So it's not about the fact that you work for someone else. It's like, what are you doing? Are you passionate about it? Because if that's where you're spending most of your time every week and you hate it, you're just killing yourself every single day and wasting time. I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So that's like so stressful to me. I don't, I can't imagine staying in a life like that. Yeah. When I feel like that, I, I just run. And I, I do the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to burn bridges, though. That's mm-hmm. something I, I try to do. How can... If, mm-hmm. uh, I got a lot of value from talking to you. I, I really did. Like There was a lot of things I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to go home right now and, and figure out what mm-hmm. number I really am. I, I, I think I'm an eight, almost for sure. But I got value from this. I believe people got value from this. How can people give mm. you value? What can, what can people do to uh, maybe uh, scratch a little itch that you may have? Um. I find it valuable when people read what I'm putting out there and have thoughtful interactions. And I don't know, like that's valuable to me. When somebody takes something that I'm sharing on this podcast and Instagram, on my podcast and my books and comes back and tells me, hey, you know what? You said this. Here's how I used it in my life. And here's what's just 1% better you know, as a result of this thing that you kind of put out into the world, that's like everything to me. I think that's, isn't that the best? I mean, that's the best. It's the best. Well, now we know everyone should go follow you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. At Diane San Filippo, not Filippo. (laughs) (laughs) We we did it. Some people want to (laughs) make it a little more Italian sounding. San Filippo. It's like San Francisco. Yeah. Like San, nobody says San Francisco. No, no one says San Francisco. <laughs> That's the same thing. That's the same thing. But some people do say San Filippo. They do. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. At least that's the right word. Sometimes they say San Filipino, and I'm like, that's not, the, <laughs> not even the same letters. Not even close. No, they're adding letters here. We have enough letters. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you and your last name, and I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. You're Thanks. awesome. All right, you're awesome. High five. Okay, calluses and all. We got yes, the we, high five. We got them. Boom. Wow, we did it. And there you have it, my friends, another episode of The Freestyle Way, today featuring Diane Sanfilippo, who you can follow on Instagram at Diane Sanfilippo, which is spelled D-I-A-N-E, and Sanfilippo is S-A-N-F-I-L-I-P-P-O. And also make sure to go follow her 
projects that she is presenting through Balanced Bites, which you can also find on Instagram. And you can learn everything about not only the spices, but also the meals that she has now, which I can attest both of those are awesome. And if you have any questions, make sure to hit her up. Uh, let her know what you thought of the episode. And also, if this episode was interesting or added value to you, make sure you share it with someone or take a screenshot of yourself listening to it or a little selfie and then post it on your stories. And just make sure to tag us at The Freestyle Way, at Carl Powley, and of course, today at Diane Sanfilippo. And other than that, thanks again for listening. I appreciate you guys and I look forward to another one next week. Peace.